God, it's my only day off this week, and like everyone's fucking coming round, like just piss off. The History in Polyam and Pow's podcast, in association with the History Corner.org. Podcasts, articles, reviews. Greetings. <laughs> One must not get one's knickers in a twist. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. Is he alive? And with your help, I'd like to keep it that way. But they're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, we will lose 1,600 men. Your brother among them. There is only one way this war ends. Last man standing. If you fail, it will be a massacre. Good luck. Welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Now, Chris and I are here yet again to do another film review. Now, we've kind of gone off of suggestions. So this was my suggestion. Um, Despite Chris putting out an Instagram post, I kind of ignored everything that everyone said. (laughs) And um, I, uh, I was determined that Chris watched this film because I have seen it before. So the film that we are talking about is 1917. Um, Do you want a little synopsis of the film before we start? Go for it, yeah. So, at the height of the First World War, two young British soldiers, um, Schofield and Blake, are given a seamlessly impossible mission. In a race against time, they must cross enemy territory and deliver a message that will stop a deadly attack on hundreds of soldiers, Blake's own brother among them. So that's the synopsis. So, overall, before we start getting into detail, what did you think of this film? So, I surprisingly anybody that knows me, didn't watch this film up until about two days ago, which is insane because I, I love a war flick. Absolutely love them. Um, and I absolutely adored this film. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What about you? There's, I mean, there's going to be a million um, spoilers. So if you don't, if you've not seen it... Um, oh, yeah. Just, big, big spoilers. Yeah, just take it as, as gospel that we're going to spoil it. Um 
I was in love with this film um, mm. from day one. I saw it at the cinema um, and when we were allowed out to the cinema. Um, I was going to say, what's the cinema? I know, I know. I do miss it. I miss it more than I thought I would. Um, Mm. But this film is absolutely incredible. Now, it's... I mean, I love everything to do with the war, and I I have done for a period of time, but sort of war films, especially um, 20th century themed war films i find quite hard to stomach i don't know why because i feel like they're Mm. they're still very close to home um whereas i can watch a medieval battle and kind of not be bothered by it um but yeah these these all seem very real and very brutal but this film i mean i'm gonna completely fangirl out to this film like it was incredible I think. Yeah. I um, I um I agree. I think it just it just captured such a moment in time that ah oh, it was just and and the way it was shot as well it was shot in one I mean obviously it wouldn't have been shot in one foul swoop but it it's seamless. Like there's no cuts, there's no um there's no breakaways. It's just one long shot from the beginning to the Mm. end and i think that is really impressive um because it feels like you're there you you genuinely feel like you're there um yeah so i guess we should start from the beginning i've got a ton of notes in front of me um Mm. about it um would you like to go first or would you like me to go first i can do yeah yeah Um, yeah i mean obviously we'll talk about the shot i.e. The, the continuous shot, which I think is actually seven shots that have been stitched together. We'll talk about that later. Um, but for me, I really, really enjoyed the start of this film. Um, obviously, it starts with um, with uh, Blake and Schofield, the two leads, um, being given this mission to um, to find the, the second, De- uh, second Devons, as they're called, the second Devonshire Regiment, I'm assuming, uh, or division. Um because you know they they go into they've been pushing the Germans back and back and back. All's going well, um, but they've had new intel and things aren't going well because the Germans have built which I what I assume is the Hindenburg Line, um, which was the incredible fortifi- fortified German lines that they built at the end of the war is like an attempt to win the war. Um, one thing that I really really enjoyed about the start of this film is as they move through the trenches, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, as they move through the trenches and they walk past all the, or they rush past as, as they're quite quite hurried to get to the to the to the end of the line, the the uniforms and the state of decay gets worse. I.e. at the start where they're where they're meeting with Colin Firth's character, who is the the general. I forget his uh, his character name unfortunately. Um, everything's beautifully lit, by the way. Wicked shot. Where they're in the kind of underground part of the trench, um, being being told about the mission, I think that's really really pretty. Um, if a war film can be pretty, um, but then the further you get down 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 the line, things get messier. There are big holes blown out of the sides of trenches. People are just wearing like woolly hats, whereas before they were wearing you know the nice little tin hats and everyone's uniforms nice and clean. And 
I love the diversity of uniform and the diversity of like weapons. There's like Lewis guns and there's Enfield rifles and there's people, you know, sat asleep. I thought it. I thought the opening. I don't want to say the opening shot because that's the film, but the opening part of the film, I I really really enjoyed. What did you think about the kind of start of it? I mean, that's really interesting because a lot of the points that you've picked up on are the same as mine. So, um, the first yeah. shot that you ever see uh, is the two the two lads kind of asleep up against a tree. The fields are very pretty. Mm. It's very beautifully lit, as you said. It's sunny, um, and as the the uh, the lads sort of come towards you in this shot, so they're sort of walking towards the camera. So the camera's going backwards, and then they they sort of slowly go down into the trenches. Like how the tone mm. changes very quickly from this. Oh, very it's just quickly. a few few lads having a nap. To they're walking into this trench, which actually until before this film, I hadn't even thought about how a trench would start but it's it, it sort of goes down doesn't it there's no like it's not a, an initial jump it's a, mm. a gradual decline into the into the soil um in this one yeah. anyway um i think it's really nice nice it's not the right word but um they <laughs> so all the all the trenches were named after real streets and real places in yes. um in the uk so there was um one that i spotted immediately was Socky Hall Street, which is a main street in Glasgow, mm. which is where I used to live. Um, so that was the street, and yeah, um, they're like past Cambridge and past Socky Hall Street, and da, 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 just to kind of give you a sense of the scale of these trenches. Um, but yeah, it yeah. got very gloomy very quickly, didn't it? It was just like, yeah. and I, I think that represented, without sounding too... Um, pretentious what it represented is actually there were these two young lads and a lot of young lads um uh sort of in the prime of their life and then all of a sudden they're sort of like thrown into this really dark mm. rat infested mud covered world um yeah and i think it's done really nicely yeah i agree i think my my only issue with this part of the film and it's just nitpicking is the, the trenches are too straight by this point in the war, the trenches were built in a kind of zigzag pattern, for lack of a better phrase, to if a bomb hit one part of the trench, the explosion wouldn't spread. Yeah. They they do kind of snake around in the film, and I, I pro- it's probably a, a logistical choice to make them quite straight, but for overall, they are a little bit too straight for me. But that's purely nitpicking, because... As you can see in some of the some of the some of the shots in this part of the film, there are like blast craters where you know one of the soldiers is talking about very candidly about his sergeant being you know exploded next to him. Um, if that happened, that that shell would have rattled through the whole trench line and done way more damage than the shot shows it as. Okay, yeah. So in regards to trenches, I mean, I know that you can go to some. Um... Mm. reconstructions of them and I've never been I'd be interested to see what they're actually like yeah um, the ones that I've seen tend to be obviously they're very well made they're made by historians of the period and, and they're all very um, non-linear for that for the reason of you know the the the, the shell explosion uh, which yeah. I mentioned I mean that makes um, but, sense completely oh, 
Yeah. Um, but um, I really, really did like the, the overall feel of the start of this film. I like the reference to the Battle of the Somme, which gets mentioned a few times in the film. I like the fact that it kind of takes us back to a thing, a period or a, a battle that we are all generally aware of. Uh, and I like the fact that um, they don't want to talk about it, um, which again is something that we're very aware of, um, especially with the the first and second war, second world war. Sorry, a lot of a lot of veterans find it quite difficult, understandably, to talk about it. And I like the fact that they kind of throw that in there from the beginning. Um, I um, I like the sense of suspense in this first sort of 20 minutes, half hour of the film where everyone's talking about the big push. The big push is a very big part of the First World War. Anybody that knows anything about the war knows about the phrase, the big push, where, you know, they expected, the Allies expected to break through the German lines, the enemy lines at some point, and then be able to push all the way back through and win the war. Um, and probably from 1914 all the way up to 1918, when the war eventually ended, that this idea of the big push was was probably quite common in the backs of their minds. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've sort of my only reference to the First World War for a lot of my years as a child was watching Blackadder. Um, when yeah. they do Blackadder goes forth, my parents were massive fans of of that. Mm. So, but even there, in, even in a comedy, they talk about the push. And actually, the last scene of that Blackadder film uh, series is it's a deep is, scene. Yeah, that. for a comedy, it's 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 hard viewing. So, mm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm completely in agreement with you on this um, this opening uh apart from the trenches because i don't really know much about them so i'll <laughs> take your word for that but um yeah absolutely uh amazing open scene opening scene mm. um yeah so once they've they've kind of crossed this sort of really sort of tough bit of land very muddy very dirty so they've gone over the mm. trench at this point haven't they um, yeah. to try and navigate their way to this uh, battalion that they're trying to look for. Um, it's when they get to the uh, is it the is it a barn? There's a barn, and then um, uh, the there's a plane crash, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Just very quickly before we move on to the plane, the one thing they do really, really well in this film is no man's land. No Man's Land is is brilliant in this film. They get mm. it so right with all of the barbed wire, the dead horses, the craters, the seat, the shot where they where they're going round a crater and it's filled with water, and the camera pans to water level with them as they're walking around the left hand side. The camera's going around the right. It's just like you said in the in the kind of the intro. You really feel like you're the third person with them. Mm. Like it got to the point in the film where I just. I said this to you before we recorded, like I stopped writing notes for 50 minutes Yeah. where I just watched a film, which is so rare for me because I usually I'll just be on my phone or I'll be pottering about. With this, I couldn't take my eyes off it. Um, but when they get through No Man's Land, they get into the old, um, the assumed abandoned um, German trench. Yes, um, yeah. With the with the, I, w- I won't go into too much detail because it's a genuinely a scene that people should watch and see it for the first time. But there is a, a wonderful scene 
underground in the in the living quarters where uh, there's a rat. Um, but yeah, we won't go into too much detail. But um, again, lovely shot, really dark and dingy, and there's a lot of sense of like dread and concern. Um, and it's um, it's it's stunning. Again, they get out of the trench. Um, they see all these all this German equipment just thrown on the floor. You can see that it looks as if the Germans are leaving because they're escaping, they're running away, which is kind of consistent with the, with the overall idea, like, oh, why can't we attack? Why do we need to cancel this attack? Look at the Germans, they're running away. Um, but yeah, you're right, they get to, they get to a barn, um, or like an abandoned barn, um, and there's a couple of shots previously where you see some biplanes going over, um, and they, they just assume they're, they're British, um, British Air Corps, fighters um and then they're, they're having a little bit of a dog fight they're watching it stood in this barn um and they realize obviously there's a dog fight one of them's at least one of them's a german a german fighter um and the kind of the fate the scene even if you haven't watched the film you know about the plane dipping below the hill and really really cinematically coming up over the hill and flying crashing directly at um blake and schofield but yeah i'll let you um i'll let you carry on from there yeah, I mean, this is uh, a, a scene that I thought was amazing. Um, mm. I, as I said, my, my eyes were sort of glued from 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 the beginning. I kind of felt like I was there, and I was I was kind of feeling the the, the feelings that I guess they would have thought. Like my my heart was racing like a lot of the time. Um, mm. So when the unexpected scene, mm, yeah. So the when least. the plane crashes and and it looks like it's going straight for them, and and I'm like sort of rooting for them, like no, 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 get out the way, like, um, <laughs> just so any, run left or right. Yeah. So uh, the the plane crashes and um, they um, I can't. It was a while since I saw it. So either the German pilot gets out of the plane or they pull him out. I can't they remember. They pull him out because he's yeah. on fire. That's it. So I was just like, oh, what a nice thing to do. And then, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going to say it. Um, the uh, the German pilot ends up um, stabbing. Is it stabbing? Yes. Yeah, he ends stabs up Blake in the stomach. Stabbing Blake in the stomach. And Blake dies. <laughs> um, really unceremoniously. Yeah. And, oh, my God, it was heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and it was really early on in the film. Mm. Um, and sort of the companionship between Blake and Schofield as well. Like, yeah. what What on it? I mean, they're, they're, they're just boys. Like, what yeah. is going on? It's absolutely yeah. mad. Um, but that scene, yeah, I really felt something in that scene. Um it definitely it changes the film at that point for me. Um, that's kind of where I cut the film in half, yeah. like pre and post plane. Because before that, it's two lads. Bit of a jolly. Yeah, there's a sense yeah. of sense of dread and a sense of urgency because Blake's brother is a lieutenant in the Second Evans. Like that's the reason he's been picked. Um, but you know, it's you know bit of a you know two lads walking through no man's land. Yeah, it's dangerous, but. They've got each other. And then after that, a switch is flicked and mm. the film the film changes for me here. Yeah. Um, but this is the point. My, la- my last note, so I'm, free- I'm freestyling after this, is plain scene stabbing. It was the last three words I write in my notebook. 
Um, shows how important this scene was for me watching it because it, it completely changed my um, kind of watching of the film. Yeah. Yeah, and it does. It uh, and so, Although the the overtones are grim to start with, this really changes the narrative because all of a sudden, like, mm. Schofield's on his own and he's still got to go yeah. ahead with the mission. Um, and... I mean, he meets sort of characters and stuff on his way, um, but yeah, he's sort of he's in it alone from this point onwards. Mm. Um, yeah, he ends up finding a detachment on their way to to the front, who offer to give him a lift, and there's some quite nice kind of patter between him and some other characters. Um, and, and I'm gonna I'm leaving a, a point out that I'm gonna make at the end. Okay. about why I like a lot of this film, other than the fact that it's just brilliant. Um, <laughs> but this is another example of what I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, but essentially, you know, they he finds himself on his own. Very, He seems very driven at this point in the film. Um, very like, I've got one thing to do. I'm not here to chat. I just need to go. Um, and uh, yeah, then it kind of turns again um when he gets to the river oh yes yes it's um so you're jogging my memory because it was a while since i've seen it so i'm reviewing <laughs> a film i probably should have rewatched. um look yeah luckily i watched it recently yes so you can be my jogger um but yeah so it's it's they're, they're sort of on the back of this truck aren't they and it's all a bit um mm. Like the banter's sort of flying back and forth. But, I mean, did you notice that they don't talk particularly about what's happened? It's all very... um, Sort of, they all know they're kind of in a really shit situation. And it's sort of that don't... Just don't make... Let's just... Let's just carry on and try and carry on as as normal as possible as sort of young lads. Um, Mm. I, I think mean, whereas it, that... if it was me, I'd be like, oh my God, this just happened. <laughs> like, mm. um... I think this film does a very, very good job of showing the normalisation that happens in war. Obviously, I'm talking to someone that has never been anywhere near a war zone. I'm talking at this from a historical point of view and a observer and an enjoyer of, of historical films. But, you know, the in every war film you ever see, cigarettes are massively important. Um, any World War One or World War Two film, pretty much any 20th century war film will have copious amounts of smoking in it. You know, Band of Brothers, Saving Private Ryan, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, all of them, smoking is important. And, and this film does a great job of, of kind of showing that, and along with the street names of the trenches, which is another thing that happened as well, it normalises the brutality of it and it, it kind of makes people... It's probably it probably was a coping mechanism, like you said, about this horrendous global event that they're part of. But we could just sit and have a smoke because that's normal and I can cling to that. Mm. And I think the film does, especially in this scene with the truck and all the boys in the truck from, you can tell by the accents that they're all from all over the place, all over the world as well, which is great. Um, it shows the the normal side of, you know, you know, just young lads in France or Belgium and they're like, it's not even our country and like that. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what you would talk about. That's what you'd be like. So for this film, for, for, for me, sort of social history is 
really important to me because I I mm. I do love talking about the kings and queens etc. But I also like talking about the normal people, the us and eyes of yeah places. So yeah, like you would you you would just have this sort of normality and it would become normal. Um, I mean, if you put anyone in a situation, they still have to live in it. So mm. they wouldn't just automatically change and it would be all sort of like glorified and they would still bring their own personalities and like you said, their own accents and their own little quirks to that situation. So yeah, for the for, for me, the bus scene, again, is quite a nice way of, of, of people, possibly meeting yeah. people they would have never met before. Like um, we're still in kind of an age where people didn't travel that much. So the likes of you and I being from very different places, our paths probably never would have crossed um, if we were in this situation um, prior the war. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, it's a common common theme in in war films, you know, the, the kind of more simpler conversations between you know two people or a group of people that's kind of like a common theme but i think this film even though this film does not dwell on character development like at all there's there's very very little character development um which is not necessarily a bad thing again if this is all part of my plan to talk about this at the end um it still does a job of showing the more personal side of the war and another place where it does this is in the, the next part where uh, Schofield is off the bus. He's had a little fight with a German sniper, which is a great scene. Um, he wakes up. It's dark. It's one of the very few cuts in the film. And he's trying to navigate his his way around um, Akust, which is the um, town that the, the uh, second Devons are very close to. Um, again, another really, really nicely shot part of the film it's very dark there's fires there's flares um and there's another personal moment in this bit which it's a little bit of a cliche now it's we're very used to seeing the um kind of the civilian interaction between soldier and civilian and you know i'm not going to dwell on that one too much unless you've got anything to add um for this bit no i just want to echo what you said it being shot really beautifully and again it changes the tone um Mm. and then all of a sudden it's just you're kind of really rooting for this guy the whole way through um well i was anyway you're you're rooting for him and 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 like what would i do in that situation i mean i probably wouldn't have even got that far to be honest but um yeah it's just yeah it was shot really beautifully and, and 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 not being able to see a lot of what's going on would be yeah. Uh, realistic to what this character would have seen like not a lot mm. <laughs> so trying to navigate your your way around um i mean i don't know if you've ever um driven down or walked down like a dark lane um when the moon's not out but it is mm. pitch, pitch dark. black and you get little mm. snippets of light from uh i don't know maybe some headlights or maybe um uh, a plane overhead or whatever. Um, that's kind of what I could uh, sort of compare it to. But 
just add the fear of getting blown up into that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really... It, the sense of dread and desperation is really, like, obvious in this bit mm. of the film. Like, it kind of grows and grows and grows as the film goes along, but this is where it's, like, you know, it's it's starting to get quite serious at this point. And obviously he he ends up running and running and running and running, jumping and ending up in the river. Again, another another sneaky cut, but necessary. It's 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 great. It's you know, he drops into the water and he finds himself after some turbulent waters, literally, you know, in relative peace again. You know, there's nice fields and birds tweeting and you know, it's all very back to how the start was. Um, which is a nice contrast to the destruction and desperation of the last sort of 40 minutes of the film, maybe. Yeah. Um, but he ends up staggering, soaking wet, dishevelled towards some singing um, where he can hear some some lads singing in a forest. And he ends, it's completely silent other than the singing for about four or five minutes. The mm. whole film just stops, essentially. Eerie. Yeah, which I think is great because it, it's kind of exactly what, again, this is... It makes you feel like you're there. It's exactly what um, uh, Lance Corporal Schofield was experiencing at the same time. He's just sat in a field where there's all these soldiers. None of them have realised he's sat there. And they're just listening to this chat sing. I'm assuming it's, uh, it sounded like quite a religious th- like hymn. Um, and I know it was quite common for this to happen before an attack, before you would go to the, the front lines. Um and he's just kind of sat there, for lack of a better phrase, quite shell-shocked. Um, and then he gets asked, you all right, mate? And he's like, I'm looking for the second Evans. And he's like, we're the second Evans. Uh, in the only accurate accent of any regiment that they have in this film. At the start of the film, they mentioned that the, um, go find the Yorks. So I'm assuming the Yorkshire regiment. And I expected to hear one of me. And I didn't. <laughs> And I'm like, it best be like, hey, up, pal, yeah, it's it's down there. You want to go down there, pal? Nobody, <laughs> nobody sounded like that. It's like, oh, oh hi, mate, yeah. Um, hi, yeah, with the, with the Yorks Regiment. Um, but yeah, I digress. Um, but yeah, I really, I like the, the scene in the forest. It's um, very so. powerful, I think. Mm. You've had all that drama of kind of what's been happening. And again, I've got nothing to compare it to because I've not, like yourself, I've not been in a war zone. But it was something tragic has happened or, or I don't know you've been in a car accident or, or, or something similar to that or you've had some really bad news or whatever like you you do become mute don't you for a while you just sit there mm. and take it all in like what has just Numb. yeah what has just happened I need to process this and that's exactly what it was doing there um in that scene where he found the regiment. Um, Mm. But really, yeah, I mean, how he kept going, I have no idea. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I remember watching it thinking, I need a minute. Mm. Like as if I just, I just run through, uh, accused myself, like running through being shot at by Germans. Like it's, it's the only film that I've watched where I've, genuinely felt part of a film, which is such a weird thing to say because I'm literally just watching it on my TV at home. But it's very, very hard to get super into a film 
really unless you're at the cinema or unless you you know really really care about these characters but this film from the moment it started i was there um, and this scene for me was a break for me yeah <laughs> like never mind the characters it was for me yeah and i think it's um, it was so well written and so well constructed that i almost i mean if it, if it wasn't designed to do that then they've missed a trick but i think it probably yeah. was designed yeah. to do that yeah. no some Sam mendes who who wrote this um did an incredible job um not just the one shot camera which is i thought was going to be a bit of a gimmick but it works so well mm. it just as adds did so I. much to a film mm. i thought oh it'll be quite cool to watch a film in one shot or however many shots but it works so well but yeah, I, I didn't know until after the film that the the story was written after a conversation between the writer Sam Mendes and his uh, paternal grandfather, uh, Alfred Mendes, who fought in the First World War. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, so this story might have been obviously elaborated on and changed, but it shows that this kind of stuff happened. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's insane. But obviously we have the... The final or the penultimate scene, I guess, after the after the forest scene. Um, would you like to uh, delve into that a little bit? I would, but I can't remember what happens. <laughs> um. So after the after the forest, they he marches with the the second Evans, who he's now found into the um, the very very chalky and very white trench, which is like cut out of the stone, a very crude trench and it reminds me of a very very i'm gonna get really nerdy now a really specific film reel footage of the first world war you've probably seen it if you literally it's the first thing you ever see if you see world war one footage of some some lads in a very very poorly constructed trench uh, it looks like they're going over the top one of them falls back down like dead it's a really really famous shot but it looks like it's it's cut out of stone like that uh, that's, that shot is actually completely fake and it was fabricated. Um, but that's what it reminds me of. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's at this point, he's at his most desperate. He's looking for um, the um, the colonel who is in charge of the second Evans and therefore in charge of this attack that is expected to happen like right now. It's happening pretty much as he's running through this trench uh, and he has to stop it. He's got this letter. He has to stop this attack because... 1600 British men, uh, servicemen are, you know, literally running into barbed wire, machine guns, artillery, thousands and thousands of heavily, you know, heavily um, defended Germans. Um, and he just gets more and more desperate. And then probably the, the second most famous scene in this film outside of the plane is where he, he just ignores the world around him and gets out of the trench and just starts running down the front of the trench yes. as the attack's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is one of the best shots in, in, in film, really. Um, any, again, it's, it's a spoiler, but if you've seen the trailer, if you've seen any footage of this film, you'll have probably seen the, the shot of him running and all the other soldiers are running ahead of him, behind him. Um, they're getting shot, they're getting blown up, the shell's going off, and he's just got a one-track mind and he's just going and going and going. Um, he eventually finds the um, the commander of the battalion, and and the 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 attack is stopped, um, and then it's all quiet on the Western Front. No pun intended. 
um, <laughs> where he eventually finds the brother of his of his mate. Uh, he finds Lieutenant Blake in a pretty pretty rubbish scene. It's quite well. It's very sad. Yeah, um, and it is sad, and it brings back it ties it all nicely together because by this point mm. you've we've lost Blake quite early on in the film so it's it's all about uh Schofield but um is that his name Schofield am i making that yeah. up yeah <laughs> for some reason i was questioning myself um yeah cuz for a lot of the film it's about him and then all of a sudden it's sort of brought back round to the original point of the start mm. And you could tell, even though his brother was was sort of uh, he was saving face and not getting upset, you could tell in his eyes that that was his little brother that had died. Yes. Um, it was a hard scene to watch because mm. you could. It was a very real response to what I assume would be like, you know, that kind of like battlefield loss. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't show that full emotion because a you're a lieutenant, B, you're an early 20th century man, and C, it happened, and it happened a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the film kind of ends um, in a very, like, poignant way. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know about you, but when I finished the film, at first I was like, oh, a bit rubbish. Like, is that it? And then literally 30 seconds later, I was like, no, that's the point. Mm. Because war, it doesn't, it doesn't have a conclusion. Like mm. like this film, there was no conclusion. It, and it, it was 1917, so the war went on after this. Um, yeah. The war had gone on before this. So, yeah, it was very... Um, I, for me, it finished, although it, abruptly, it finished in the right place. Absolutely. And this was the moment where I realised the point I've wanted to make this whole time, that this film is pointless. And I mean that with the greatest of respect. Everything that happens in it is pointless because the war doesn't end. Yes, people are saved, but everything is... Everything is expendable. Everything is... It just happens. It's just another day. And I think that's the that's what it captures so well. Yeah, it just happened. The stories that are not and, told about so many people mm, that. No, this isn't every day, but this was, this was a common occurrence. Mm. You know, runners were sent across lines, and one very very famous, uh, German runner was Adolf Hitler, who got the Iron Cross for delivering information across enemy lines. You know, this is, it's a pretty common, a pretty common kind of occurrence. Yeah. Um, but they, they, um, they make rel- uh, reference to it when he, he gives the, uh, the colonel the plans to stop the attack. He ba- you know, they basically say, well, yeah, we'll stop today, but tomorrow they'll tell us to go again. And that, for me, I was like, wow, this really is futile. Yeah. And obviously, I think the film is set in April of 1917, which gives us another 18 months of war. And 1917 was a horrendous year. 1918 was a horrendous year. Yes, the Battle of the Somme happened in 1916, but the Battle of the Somme only ended fairly recently as the film. Obviously, the first day, the 1st of July, the bloodiest day in, in um, British 
military history, you know, 60,000 casualties in one day, I think it was. But Vaughan does a really, really good job of just showing how pointless this whole escapade was. Similar, similar to saving Private Ryan, in a sense that they saved Private Ryan, but at what cost? But this film reminds me of Dunkirk more than any film. It's shot in a similar way, and the sense of constant issue and problem and dread is exactly the same as Dunkirk. Like, nobody ever catches a break. No, I mean, they must have been exhausted. Mm. Um, I mean, I work quite long hours, and I moan about being <laughs> exhausted, but I haven't got to dodge bullets every ten seconds. Um, yeah. And... Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, even now, like, reminiscing on the film, I feel like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I feel. I feel, like, numb, like you said. Um, you kind of feel deflated, but in a really poignant way, rather than, oh, God, that was a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, that was a lot. This film needed to be made, and I'm so glad 100%. that it was. I, other than the straight trenches, which is nitpicking, I have no issue. No, I had no issue I've, at all. I have no issue. None at all. I could have watched this for hours and hours and hours. I could watch forever this film because it's such a well-documented kind of like microcosm of the First World War. I think it does a better job than 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 most. There's not many blockbuster World War One films, really, but I hope. There is now more because of of the incredible work of of Sam Mendes and and all of his team because it's yeah brilliant film. No, I agree. So let's rate this. Let's rate this. So out of ten, what would you give this film? Ten being the best, one or zero being the worst film you've ever seen. So it's definitely not a one because that's Russell Crowe's Robin Hood. No. <laughs> uh, as I will bring up every single time. <gasps> I forgot my longbow fact. Go. I can't believe it. I bet you didn't think I'd mention longbows this week. No, but, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm always going to mention longbows. So, longbows are my favourite, as anybody that listens to this knows. Um, did you know the First World War was the first, the first time since the longbow that that level of rate of fire was achieved? by the British Army. So from, let's say, 1330 up until 1914, the rate of fire got slower and then it eventually reached the level of, say, 10 to 15 shots a minute. Insane. And there you go. I feel like you need to bring longbow facts all the time. I'll try and make Just one, one for every single film. I've got a few more ready. No. <laughs> um, always. So always. It's, it's not... Um, it's not Russell Crowe's Robin Hood. No, 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 no. I'm going to give it, because I'm comparing it, when you said 10, compare it to the best. The best war film, first and second world war is, it's not a film, but it's Band of Brothers for me. Band of Brothers is a 10. It knocks it out of the park. I'm going to give this a nine based on... The trenches. (laughs) (laughs) The trenches literally knock it down by like 0.2 of a point. The only thing I would have loved to see more was a little bit more character development. But, again, it kind of, it's kind of a good thing because it highlights the pointlessness and the fact that these were just two boys. They were just two lads. 
they didn't need to be important. They were just two lads. But I'll give it a nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, I am. I'm going to echo your nine out of ten. Um, the only reason I don't want to give it ten is because I don't want to surpass myself too early on in this mm. film reviewing game. So I'm going to say a nine. Um, I mean, I would have given it a ten because I really enjoyed it. But I'm I'm sure mm. there are better films possibly out there it's the best it's the best world war one film i've ever seen other than all quiet on the western front which is just a classic if you haven't seen that i really 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 recommend that yeah definitely um and yeah everyone should go and watch this film um 100 and let us know what you think it's interesting Mm. if it's bad let chris know if it's good let me know um I don't take criticism how it goes. very well. <laughs> I, I take Ollie's criticism for him now. That's yeah. my unofficial job. Mm-hmm. That was part of the deal. Yeah. It's in I the contract. Yeah, it's in the <laughs> contract. Um, okay, so we are going to hopefully review another film sometime soon. Maybe we should pick off the list this time and I shouldn't mm. veto maybe something that we've both not seen. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. If people have ideas and think or things they they really think we should we should watch and review, it can be bad films, um, preferably good ones. But yeah, let us know. Uh, yeah. You know, well, I don't mind. Both of us know a, a comedy on uh, yeah. the basis of a historical event. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not all uh, doom and gloom. <laughs> so I do like I, a laugh as well. Um, I won't be watching Russell Crowe's um, Robin Hood though. That is. I stand by the worst film ever made. That is that is the line. So um, yeah, we'll um, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get to it. We'll get watching. Um, but yeah, no thanks again, Chris. I've had a had a joyous time as always. Um, Absolutely, man. And again, that time. Um, if you want to plug things, then please do. Yes, I will. I will always take an opportunity to plug uh, the historycorner.org website. Um, where myself, um, Ollie, and a wonderful group of uh, historians from all over the world, um, we share historical articles on every and any topic. We have film reviews, um, similar to this. We have book reviews, game reviews, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check it out if you want to contribute. Um, you can also email us at uh, the history corner info at gmail.com or you can direct message me at chris riley underscore or the history corner has its own instagram now uh, on ollie's request um so you can find it at the history corner blog on instagram um so yeah check us out um compliment a uh, compliment but feel free to contribute if you want um and uh yeah i was yeah, an man. absolute bully when it came to the instagram account yes um so if you're enjoying it you're welcome <laughs> like, um yeah but i i've really enjoyed the sort of the community that it's sort of built up around it um i've actually found uh new people to collaborate with via uh, the history corner as well so uh, yeah so it's all it's all coming together and it's all merging so the the gentleman that wrote um uh the john snow article i'm doing a episode with him soon 
so that'll be exciting. Oh, wicked! Yeah, so it's all it's all coming together. So we are we are merging and we are helping each other out. And the the history community uh, community uh, via Instagram and social media have been nothing but amazing. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone said a bad word to me uh, the whole mm. time that I've I've been on the social media platforms. Yeah. And. Uh, people are it gives me uh, it gives me joy to look at people's posts and comments and stuff so yeah thank you very much for 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 that as well I'm just I'm just going to echo that point very quickly because I I fully did not expect to be doing this today Um, I I did not intend on becoming a Instagram historian let's say this was a on a on a on a whim as such i just wrote an article and it became what it is before what you see before you but the the people i've met and spoke to you know including ollie especially ollie really um have been absolutely awesome um you know i would consider people my friends uh, my colleagues my peers it's it's been it's been wicked everybody you know who i'm you know who you are if you're listening to this you've all been sound and Thank you, because it's been a it's been one hell of a nine month ride. To be honest, it's not over, by the way. I'm not like riding into the sunset. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say I just wanted to say thank you. So, for anyone who's not um, uh, English, sound means good. By the way, it's, sorry, um, I, I it's a northern we twang. Yes, we were talking about this off off air, and I say sound a lot. Um, I like it. Yes, yeah, I say a lot of words that. I got called out by an American friend of mine, Frank, who who is the co-owner of the History Corner. Big up, Frank. Um, he messaged me once privately. He was like, mate, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he's like, what does great shout mean? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? It's, it's a great shout. And I had to explain that great shout just means good idea. But I didn't think, being the, the anglophobe that I am, that that was kind of odd, but, you know... A lot of my 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 northernness comes out when I uh, when I get passionate about stuff. Never change. You do you. That's all I say. Oh, I will. Um, okay. On that note, we'll uh, catch you again soon. Bye bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye. <laughs> I always do. I'm like a little rabbit. I jump so easily. <laughs> Rah!